0: You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. It is mighty good to be back to um, Heritage Baptist. It's been a while and we're excited what God is doing here. You know, I look at this pulpit. It must have been built for Brother Atwood when he was pastor. And you can just barely see Brother Che behind it, can't you? (laughs) It's nice. Very nice. Open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. Luke's Gospel chapter 2. I retired from pastoring in 2010 and for the last 10 years I've been traveling all over America preaching revivals missions conferences and, and filling in pulpits when pastors are on vacation or so what. It's been a while, been a few weeks, a few years since I've been back here to Heritage and it's sure good to see you and see the church doing well and things going forward It's good to have a good pastor. And you've had two of them. And uh, rejoice in that. But the central figure in a Bible-believing Baptist church is not the pastor, it's Jesus. As long as He stays preeminent in your church and your lives, you're going to see His blessings over and over and over again. So... uh, We're delighted to be here. In fact, I feel like a lightning bug with his tail cut off. I'm delighted. (laughs) Something's changed since I was here last. I'm a little short-handed. I had an accident in 89, uh, uh, or 2018, not 89, 2018. And uh, had an accident on a table saw, so that's the reason that looks like that now. And I'm telling you that because I don't want you to focus on it while I'm preaching. Wondering what happened. I was building a rocking chair for a great-granddaughter. And had it finished except the slats for the back and the seed. And was ripping them out of a piece of wood and hit a uh, knot. And it kicked back, kicked my hand over the blade. That happened. And so I've had to learn how to get along without it. And uh, life changes. Things happen. But don't let the circumstances be greater than your life, the life you're living. Uh, overcome them and, and uh, rejoice and serve the Lord uh, with what you have and how you are. There's no excuse for a Christian not to be faithful in his life for the Lord Jesus. You may not be able to do everything you used to do. But you can still be faithful. You can still pray. And every Christian needs to be in church every time the doors open if it is possible. There are times as you get older and problems set in. You're not able to come as regularly. But You ought not willfully forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is. Have you found your place in Luke chapter 2? If you're able to stand physically out of love and respect for the Word of God, would you stand with me and follow as I begin to read in verse number 1? And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David the Lord and I want you to notice verse number 11 for our text for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord let me point out something to you in the King James Bible when the scripture uses the word ye it's plural it's talking, it's talking to the church. It's talking collectively. Ye, when it's talking to uh, here, it's talking about a Savior for the world. Available to everyone. And says, for unto you. He's not just a Savior for the world. He's Savior for you personally. Do you know Him personally? Have you accepted Him personally? then Christmas does not have the meaning it ought to have if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. I want to speak to you this morning on this subject. Christmas is coming anyway. Christmas is coming anyway. Father in heaven, we need your help now as we stand here to preach your word. Thank you for Jesus The very word Jesus means Savior. The very word Jesus reminds reminds us of that special day, that first Christmas when you gave the greatest gift in all of history. You gave your Son to die for our sins. You gave your Son to purchase and provide for us a free eternal gift called salvation. I pray that you'll help us to learn to cherish that gift, to love our Savior, to keep Him preeminent, make Him first in all of our life and our love, and give you the very best we have in these last days before you come again. Let us be mindful that your first coming at that first Christmas is to remind us always that you're coming again. This is no time to get comfortable and slack or lazy. This is no time for a Christian to backslide. This is no time for us to look for excuses not to do our best. This is the time to be faithful. Every Christmas ought to remind us, that Christmas is not the end, but it's the promise of a Savior and that this same Savior that came as a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes will one day come again as King of kings, Lord of lords. He comes as our Savior to rapture us all the saved to be with Him forever in glory. Let us rejoice in You. Thank You for Christmas. And all it means spiritually to each of us in Christ's name, Amen. You may be seated. For four thousand years, promises had been made in prophecy that the Savior, the Messiah, would come. His nationality, his family in Hebrew, as a, in the Hebrew nation, Judah and particularly the lineage of David and the city of his birth, Bethlehem, and even the fact that he would be beaten and crucified and that he would be raised from the dead after three days and three nights were all set forth in the Old Testament in prophecy. That he would be born of a virgin was plainly stated in prophecy more than 700 years before it ever took place in time then in the fullness of time in the darkest of days when Rome ruled the world and even the fact that a savior was going to be born was hated by the leaders and the governors and politicians of that day Christmas came anyway they couldn't hold it back. They couldn't stop it. In the fullness of time, when it was exactly right on God's calendar, in the midst of suffering and taxing and a long journey, turmoil in family over the pregnancy of a Jewish virgin girl espoused to be married, right on time that first Christmas came and Christ was born reminding a world and people in chaos that God has not forgotten His promise of salvation, forgiveness of sin, or eternal life, or that He's coming back again one day for all that's saved. Now for nearly 2,000 years, we've been celebrating Christmas every year. The birth of the Savior is a reminder that there is a God in heaven that loves me and you and desires a personal relationship with us. Christmas comes to remind us that there is hope, there is peace, there is joy available to the frustrated, fearful, hurting world, but only in the provision of God through His Son, Jesus Christ, is the promise given. Christmas comes to remind us today that there is hope in this day of despair, in this day of pandemic, in this day when we hear the bad news every day, Christmas is good news to remind us that greater than the COVID virus and greater than the pandemics and (coughs) greater than the Atheists, in the countries that hate Christianity. God loves us. And God has sent his son Jesus to die on the old rugged cross. And every year, just like Jesus came and just like he's coming again, every year, right on time, Christmas comes, regardless of all we're going through and dealing with. as Time Magazine this past week celebrated their Persons of the Year. Joe Biden and Camelia Harris. You know, they've got good, good choices. They've got good quality, good selections. wasn't long ago that they chose uh, Vladimir Putin as the Man of the Year. So don't put a lot of stock in that. They don't even believe in God anyway. But in spite of their decisions, in spite of the chaos in America, in spite of the divisions in government, in spite of the heartache in families, Christmas is going to come anyway. To remind us that there's hope beyond this world, there's hope greater than a vaccine for this virus. There's hope greater than the government's little bit of help for people who are hurting. There's hope that never wears out, that never ends. And that hope is Jesus. And that's what Christmas is about. Christmas is not about gifts, Xmas, it's not about all of these stores that don't celebrate Christmas, but they'll sell you their products. I wouldn't buy a Kleenex from Dickie's Sporting Good. They, they, they don't celebrate Christmas. They're against Christmas. They're against Jesus. But in spite of them, Christmas is going to come anyway, reminding us there's hope. This world did not recognize Jesus as Savior and Messiah when he came the first time. The Bible says in John 1, verse 11 and 12, He came to His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him to them, gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. I believed, and I have received Him as my God and my Savior. Have you? I ask the question, Can you look back and remember that time when you personally definitely and individually accepted Jesus as your savior salvation is not getting baptized or joining a religion salvation is accepting by faith Jesus Christ who died for your sins who paid your sin debt who satisfied before God the dead against your soul you accepted him as your savior And when you did, you did it by faith. You didn't have to earn it. You couldn't work for it. By faith, you believed the promise of God in Scripture. And by faith, you received Him as your Savior. And He gave you everlasting life. When you received Him by faith, the new birth took place. The new birth means a birth from above. It's not of this world. Our salvation is out of this world. When you by faith accepted Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God quickened your spirit, saved your soul, made you alive, birthed you into the family of God, and you became a child of God. Your sins were forgiven and heaven became your home. At that very moment, you God wrote your name in the book of life and you shall never, never perish because of that first Christmas. Oh, my soul, my soul. Have you received him? I was 15 years old. One month in my 15 years. I was a 14-year-old rebel, just turned 15. I heard the gospel. God convicted my heart. I knew I was a sinner on my way to hell. And on about the 23rd verse of just as I am, I said, "Lord, if they'll sing it one more time, I'll come." No preacher so helped me. Got up and said, "Blewell, sing one more verse." And down the aisle I came. August the twenty-third, nineteen fifty-four. Now the only reason I remember the date, Mama wrote it in her Bible. But long before I found the date in Mama's Bible. I never forgot that night. I never forgot that experience when I accepted Christ as my personal Savior. Can you look back and remember when you got saved? I want you to know, you can be a member of every church in Corpus Christi, and you can be baptized in every baptistry in the city and die and go to hell if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. It's a personal experience, a new birth experience when you realize you're a sinner and you come to Jesus Christ and confess your sins and that you're lost and by faith accept Him as your Savior. And if you don't look back and remember... When you did that, whether it was a kid in Sunday school class or somebody led you to Christ in your home or you walked the aisle in a church service like I did or a soul winner led you to Christ, if you can't look back and remember when you accepted Jesus as your Savior, what right do you have to say I'm going to heaven? Jesus didn't come that you might hope or think. He came that you might know. These things have I written unto them that believe that you may know you have eternal life. It is a no so salvation. The world didn't recognize him the first time he came. Have you? Have you? See, the world does not believe or receive him today. Even in the U.S., other religions are recognized by Congress while Christ, the Bible, and Christianity is under attack. Several years ago, in Congress, only a week after voting for a resolution that recognized Islamic, the Islamic faith as one of the great religions of the world, Nine U.S. congressmen or women refused to vote for a Christmas resolution that condemns the worldwide persecution of Christians. The Christmas resolution, like the Ramadan resolution, declared the violence that targeted religions around the world and the wording of the resolution was almost identical to the Ramadan resolution. Yet nine U.S. representatives voted into office by us, voted against the Christian and Christmas resolution. Forty didn't vote at all, and ten gutless wonders just voted present. I'm simply saying, the world doesn't accept Jesus today. But Christmas is coming anyway. To remind those of us who did, and those of us who want to, that there's hope. There's life forever in Christ Jesus. And oh, my dear friend, it's Christmas still brings the remembrance of God's promises. Christmas still reminds us that there is hope and peace available, but only in the Christ of Christmas, not in government, not in the world's religions, but in Christ. May I say, secondly, in the midst of our heartaches, our burdens, and our frustrations, Christmas comes anyway. To remind us that we have a God and Savior who cares about us personally, who asks us to bring our burdens to Him, who asks us to come and find that sweet peace in Jesus who promises us that we don't have to live in fear, but in hope and joy because we know Jesus Christ. God does not care only about the world in general. He cares about you personally. Many have gone through some terrible heartaches with loss of loved ones during this pandemic. But I want you to know that's not the end because of Jesus there's hope beyond that well the Bible tells us to be absent from the Lord is to be present with uh, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord why God even tells us precious in the sight of God is the death of one of his saints it's not the end for the child of God it's graduation day it's promotion day it's goodbye down here it's hello up there It's like getting on an elevator down here. Death is like getting on an elevator. And it goes up and stops in heaven for the child of God. If you're not saved, it goes the other direction. He cares about you. If you're unsaved today, He cares about you. If you only have religion and not a personal religion, knowledge of salvation and a personal assurance. I'm amazed at Baptist I'm finding today and Bible believing Baptist churches that are living in doubt and uncertainty about their salvation. You don't have to. God not only sent his Son, but he sent different days in God's program to remind us that we have a Savior. Not a dead Savior, a living Savior, not a baby Savior, one who was born, grew up, took our sins upon himself, though he himself never had a wrong thought or took a crooked step. He went to Calvary as holy, holy, holy. And there God judged him for our sins. God poured out his wrath on his own Son, the wrath we deserved, the judgment we deserved. He poured out His own Son like He had poured out on a sinner in hell until the debt of our sin was paid for and according to Isaiah 53, He saw the travail of His soul and was satisfied. That payment was paid in full. Aren't you glad that salvation, Jesus didn't provide a down payment? and we have to keep up the installments. No, he paid it all. It's paid in full. When you accept Christ as Savior, as far as eternity is concerned, you're debt free. It's been paid for by Jesus Christ. Do you know it? Do you know Him? Then why don't we act like it? Why don't we tell somebody else about Him? Why do we allow fears and defeats hinder us in our walk with God? What a blessing to know Him. Christmas still brings remembrances of God's promises. Christmas still reminds us that there's hope and peace available but only in the Christ of Christmas. When you look at those packages under the tree They ought to not remind you of what you're going to get, but what you have. The greatest gift ever written, ever purchased, ever given. The gift of free salvation through Jesus Christ the Lord. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? Don't you think it's about time you get rid of the doubts and fear and settle this matter in Christ? Trust Him, accept Him. He won't th- he said, All that come unto you, unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Well he said, For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And all oh, in the midst of our heartaches and burdens and frustration, Christmas comes anyway, to remind us that we have a God and Savior who cares about us personally. He cares about you if you're suffering and hurting. He wants to bring peace to that area of hurt in your heart and life. He cares about your heartaches and frustration and he wants you to remember that Jesus is the solution to those problems. All of our problems, all of our sufferings, our frustrations, our heartaches and even this pandemic cannot stop Christmas from coming. No more than that, the taxing and disbelief and the murderous edict of Herod could stop the birth of the Savior. Christmas came anyway. He was born right on time. He was born in the right way. Born of a virgin. He was born in the right place, Bethlehem. Just like the Old Testament prophesied. And all the leaders of government and governors and so forth could not stop it, could not change it. And I'm here to tell you that this week, Christmas is going to come anyway. Let us rejoice. Let us rejoice in Jesus who loved us and gave himself for us. Christmas is going to come anyway to remind us that there is hope and help available in Jesus Christ but in him alone don't push him away receive him believe him trust him and then while we're struggling in this the wretched sins of this life in our day christmas is coming anyway I, i'm appalled at the day in which we live and the things that used to be obnoxious to us are now accepted by us. Things that are abominations in the sight of God are acceptable in our society today. I'm amazed at all of the hurt and the heartaches Christians are going through because of sin. Christmas is coming anyway to remind us that God has provided a remedy and complete forgiveness if we'll bring our sins to Him and deal with our sins according to His Word. This is important. I want you to know your and my sin is as bad as God said it was. Our problem is we don't look at it as bad because it's us doing it. It's not the name of our sin or the numbers of our sin that make sin bad. It's the nature of sin because all sin is rebellion against God. And it's rotten. It's putrid in the eyes of Almighty God. As Christians dealing with our sins, God requires certain things from us. We must realize that the blood of Jesus Christ was shed so we could be forgiven and cleansed from our sin. There's no other way to deal with sin than through the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no other way to be forgiven or cleansed except through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, the forgiveness of sin does not remove the fruit of our sin or the scars that sin leaves on us. I have on my arm here a tattoo I put on there when I was 14 years old and unsaved. I wrote my name, Bob, so I'd never forget who I was. (laughs) And I misspelled it. I spelled it backwards. (laughs) That was sin. I asked God to forgive me of that sin, and He did. But He didn't remove the tattoo. You can go ahead and get out there and live in sin and think, well, God will forgive me, yeah, but He won't remove the fruits or the scars that sin leaves You have to deal with it all the rest of your life. My little granddaughter comes up to me, would come up to me, and she's 23 now, and she'd point to that tattoo and say, ought not be there. And she's right. It was sin. So I take the opportunity to tell her, yes, God forgives me but it didn't remove the scar that sin leaves. And when you grow up and you get out, God will forgive you of sin, but it won't remove the scars. It won't remove those things you've got to live with the rest of your life. Even though we receive forgiveness and cleansing, we've got to realize that the scars and the fruit produced by sin must be dealt with throughout our life. Cleansing and forgiveness of sin requires a personal confession of that sin to God. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, to confess our sins to God as Christians means that we will agree with God that it's as bad as God says it is. Most Christians don't see sin like that. Some Christians think that they're so good and important that they can do it and it's not all that bad. But you remember that sin is against God and it's rotten. And putrid in the sight of God, cleansing and forgiveness of sins require a personal confession to God concerning our sins. Now, when I got saved, I didn't have to confess every sin I'd ever committed. If that was required, I'd never been saved because I couldn't remember them all, and neither could you. But God only required us to confess to him that we're sinners and under the penalty of sin. In order to be saved, we confess that we're sinners. But as Christians, He don't want us to do that Baptist thing that most Baptists do. About every six months or a year we say, God, if I've sinned, forgive me. No, when we sin, the one who lives within us called the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, He reminds us that it's sin. And at that very moment, he wants us to call it by name. God, I lied today. Forgive me for being a liar. Ooh, that's heavy, isn't it? God, I I took something at work I shouldn't have taken. Forgive me for being a thief. Oh, my. It's as bad as God says it is. It's sin against him, and we need to be honest. If we want his forgiveness... And let me tell you, when a Christian gets right about sin in their life, it's not something that's negotiable with God. When the prodigal came home from the hog pen, he didn't stop at the front gate and negotiate terms with the Father. When we as Christians get right with God, it's non-negotiable we to come His way, believe in what He said, or we don't get what we're coming for. But Christmas comes anyway to remind us that we can be forgiven. We have a Savior. We have one who loved us and took all of our sin upon himself and paid for them. When Jesus died on that old rugged cross, all my sins were future, and yours were too. And he's already taken care of them. But in order to have that sweet, right relationship with him as a Christian, when we sin, he wants us to confess it. And he'll be faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what Christmas means. Faithful and just. You say, what does that faithful and just mean? It means he'll do it every time. Every time. We're told in scripture that having, been re- having received forgiveness, go and sin no more. Remember the woman taken in adultery? Brought to Jesus? He forgave her. But he told her not to go back and practice that. He said, go and sin no more. Now I've never gotten to the place where I can't sin. But I've certainly gotten to the place in Christ where I don't want to sin. And it sure does bother me. And it ought to bother you too. Let me finish. When the world is struggling and is bound by its confusion about salvation, Christmas comes along to remind us that it's a gift from God through Jesus Christ and that it must be received individually definitely and personally have you personally accepted Christ individually you don't get saved because mama was saved you don't go to heaven because you're born in America Well, I'm a Christian I was born in a Christian country That don't make you a Christian no more than being born in a garage make you an automobile. (laughs) You must be born again. Have you personally accepted Him? Have you? It's received by faith in Christ and not by works. Receiving Christ brings to pass the new birth in a sinner's life and the new birth brings us into the family of God and assures us life everlasting in heaven. After this life is over, the new birth records our name in the Lamb's book of life and guarantees us forgiveness of sin. Sin never to be remembered again by God. Sin blotted out of the book by his own hand, Isaiah said. Oh, what a gift. And I'm here to tell you in 2000 or in 2020 with all of the problems in this world and the confusion about this pandemic and the fear and uncertainty by individuals, Christmas is coming anyway to remind us that we have life and hope available in Jesus. He's given us life worth living here plus a future to look forward to after this life is over. And I'm here to tell you, right on time, in spite of all that's going on in the world or in your own life, Christ came. Christmas is coming anyway, right on time, just for you, just for you. Christmas reminds us that Jesus came into the world for me and for you to save us from our sin. The question ought to be settled before Christmas comes this year. Have you accepted him as your Savior? Have you brought your heartaches, your hurts, your frustration, your sins to him and laid them at his feet? The Christmas message is still and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Come to him. Trust him. If you are a Christian, rejoice in him. Thank God for saving you. Don't let the frustrations of this world and the panics of this life and the pandemics that we're facing worldwide cause you to forget to praise him and worship him and thank him for coming and dying. Focus on him because in spite of all that's going on Christmas is coming anyway. Have you received that great gift? The gift of life everlasting in Christ? Personally. Definitely.